Hey y'all, it's me, the sweary therapist, Susan Rogendorf, and I'm your host for this podcast, Fuck the Rules. Fuck the Rules podcast is about folks who set out to achieve something in their lives by ditching the archaic rules and expectations that were getting in their way. Please join me as I chat up these folks to find out why and how they did it, and how you fucking can too. Before we get to the sweet, sweet, sweary portion of our show, let's be clear about this podcast series. Fuck the Rules podcast is for information, entertainment, and personal education purposes only. Please note that you will not receive any of those lovely continuing education credits for listening to this podcast, as there are no CEUs associated with this podcast series. Fuck the Rules podcast is not clinical supervision, and it is absolutely not a substitute for therapy with a qualified mental health professional. Now that we've made the legal team happy, let's get cracking. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are on episode 10 of Fuck the Rules podcast. And today I am very pleased to have with me my friend, Grayson Reed. Hey Gray, how are you doing today? Great, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so pleased you were able to spend some time with me out of your busy schedule. So thanks for being on today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So great. Tell me about what you're doing. You and I met when we were both working in the hospital over in Rock Island. Correct. I met you when I was working in the crisis stabilization unit and you were security over there. And then I left. And I think you left and you started doing this really amazing action for first responders. Can you kind of tell people who you are, what your background is and what you're doing nowadays? Absolutely, Susan. I was a police officer for a number of years and more recently was with the Iowa Department of Corrections in a medium to max facility in a prison in Iowa. And upon my time at the prison, I was diagnosed with cumulative PTSD. And that's ultimately what led me away from my, my career in law enforcement. I grew a lot and I, I saw a lot and, you know, I have immense appreciation for our public servants. I feel like sometimes our mental health aspect of the job itself goes overlooked. Somewhat recently, it's becoming seen, but for too many years, say 50 or more years, it's just gone completely overlooked. The nonprofit I created was to one, increase mental health awareness and ultimately prevent any sort of suicide from EMS, correctional staff, police, retired staff. Those people are out there serving us selflessly. And so I just want to see them realize that their mental health is just as important as their physical health. Absolutely. I also believe that dispatchers don't get the recognition about needing mental health as well, because a lot of times they're placing persons on those calls and they understand the responsibility of those lives that they're sending them out to these situations. They don't always get to complete those calls. They don't get to close the loop on that. Or right. it's a very significant, difficult event. And they also have to live with those repercussions from being involved in those events. I want to make sure we also include dispatchers in that as well. Can you tell me if you're comfortable, can you kind of tell me what happened sure. for you in finally being diagnosed with cumulative PTSD? Because that is one that is now getting more recognition as opposed to PTSD. And of course, when I go to post this podcast, I will make sure there's some information that's available for persons who want to know the difference between the two. But can you sure. kind of tell me how you got to that point where you were finally diagnosed with it? Absolutely. 
many people, uh, let it be on the civilian side, first responder side, you know, are very familiar with PTSD regarding, say, one incident type of occurrence that can be very traumatic and create long-term effects. But meanwhile, my time in law enforcement for what I did see and what I did encounter didn't really surface until I spent time in the prison. And I'm not going to lie, I loved what I did in the prison. I think I did it well. I got great reviews from my superiors. But meanwhile, I started losing sleep and I, I didn't know why. I, I started having nightmares uh, of scenarios at the prison. And, you know, I, at the time I was already seeking therapy, seeing a, a lady for my psych meds. But meanwhile, I dug deeper on, on all of this with them. And that was with my counselor where I was diagnosed with the cumulative PTSD where it had just eventually everything had kind of come to the surface that, you know, I'd seen over the years and not necessarily just suppressed, but didn't realize that it was cumulative adding up for se. That is precisely what really led to the diagnosis and also led to my resignation in the prison. With the symptoms that you were having, did family or friends, colleagues say to you, dude, something seems off. Are you doing okay? Or was it just nobody really said anything and you just decided that I'm just going to try and shake it off until it got to a point that you just couldn't any longer? A little of both, but I mean, it was definitely heartbreaking to see my wife was involved. She saw me not sleeping and she didn't know what was necessarily happening or going on. And, and I, at the time, was holding back full communication. We talked about everything else, but I would hold back those issues regarding the PTSD or issues relating to the prison. I thought I was protecting her, but then talking through my counselor, I quickly realized that 100% communication is the way to go in any personal or intimate relationship. So I opened up that channel. She felt helpless. She she had reached out to my mother and said she didn't know what to do. She would just say, say heartbroken, seeing me go through it. But once I opened up that channel, a lot got better for the two of us in our relationship. Okay. Now, some persons that I've heard on other podcasts, especially when it comes to first responders, law enforcement, even hospital staff, the right. populations I also work with, talk mm -hmm. about there is this mindset when we're amongst our peers, our colleagues, that we don't want to be perceived as weak. We feel that since we are problem solvers, we should problem solve ourselves. And then when that doesn't work, we just ignore it until it gets to be the point where we can't ignore it any longer. It starts affecting work and home. Can you tell me if you've seen a shift in mindset among your peers and colleagues where people are now more open to the possibility of talking to a counselor or a therapist about what's going on for them? There's definitely still a stigma. And I don't want to put anybody in categories or use any sort of generalizations. But I, I think from my experience, from what I've seen from peers, especially men, where there's that stigma where they don't want to reach out for help and they see it as very weak or they see that they can handle it on themselves. And it's a man culture within the, the industry, you know, and I speak specifically on the law enforcement side versus communications, fire or EMS. I, I've noticed that younger staff, they're open-minded to it because they grew up a little bit different uh, generation. There are a lot of incredible resources available within many different departments, such as what they would call a peer groups or peer resources, where you can go and speak to a coworker and you can open up to them because they do deeply care. 
of myself personally, I had that available, but I was not comfortable with reaching out to them. Even though I, I knew in the back of my head that they wouldn't judge me, but I didn't want to open up and share that to them or to my friends. And I, I left it in terms of consulting with my therapist who I already had. I want people to understand that they need to find an outlet somewhere that they can communicate with. The stress of the job can turn into, say, sandbags on somebody's back. And sometimes we don't know if, if our bodies were me to necessarily cut it, take all this weight and stress. You have to find someone or something to help you relieve that stress and a healthy coping skill. Too many times I've also seen people turn to the unhealthy coping aside from loss of a few friends from suicide. And that's the reason why I created my nonprofit to try to prevent that. And to let listeners know, I will be posting additional information about resources for first responders, law enforcement, hospital staff, in addition to the usual ones I do for crisis. That brings me to you, Gray. Tell me about your nonprofit that you are now trying to reach out to others to let them know it's okay to talk to somebody about not feeling okay. Absolutely. It was started in late 2021. The website is publicsafetypreservation.org. What I'm most proud about in reference to the website itself is a resource page. I'm not a certified counselor. I've just experienced some of this. But meanwhile, there are some great resources as far as how to seek help when we need it. Some people are prefer online resources where we can read about things. I've got online links or otherwise sometimes people trying to talk to someone on the phone. And I've also got some phone numbers. Save Call Now, which is one of my favorite. That one's versatile in the sense that it not only helps all types of services, but also helps families. So had I known about it sooner, you know, say my wife could have called and found out, hey, what can I do about my husband? I want to help him, but I don't know how. There's those resources. And I've also partnered with a good friend of mine from Wisconsin. His organization is called Stop the Threat, Stop the Stigma. It very much just co-aligns with everything we're talking about. Tell me how it is that you decided to go out in public speak on your experience and reach your peers and colleagues. I've been blessed with the ability to do so. I mean, say 20 years ago, I would have been shy, intimidated, and not comfortable speaking in front of crowds. If I can help one person, one person from taking their life, that is a blessing in itself. And that is more than enough. Of course, I want to help more than one person. There is so many great aspects of life. But meanwhile, I understand firsthand, sometimes the clouds of the dark and gloom can overcloud the good. And when we can get through that dark time and that gloom in our life, and we can see not just hope, but what is good in their life, that's when we can pull through and we can see strong. And one of my favorite quotes that I wanted to share today, you are stronger than you think you have gotten through every bad day in your life and you are undefeated. To your point about reaching out, there are so many opportunities available for persons to reach out like through text, crisis text line. If you are in law enforcement, first responders, fire, dispatch, you can text the word badge, B as in boy, A, D as in David, G, to the number 741741, 24-7 access to talk to a licensed professional on the other end. It's all text-based. You can call the various numbers that I'll post later to talk to someone on the phone. 
Certainly, if people are looking to talk to a therapist, I always recommend that they go through their insurance website to see who is covered under their plan and then start making phone calls because not every person is going to have the experience or maybe necessarily work with the cohort that I do, which is first responders, law enforcement, hospital staff, having the background that I do. I'm not going to flinch when we talk about the heavy, hard things. There are some persons that they don't have that experience and they don't feel they're the best persons to serve that population. Make phone calls, talk to persons, try to get a consult for maybe 10, 15 minutes, if possible, to see if you click with that person too. My contact number for the organization is listed on the website. I'm not a licensed counselor, but sometimes we just need somebody to even talk to. Sometimes we just need those ears. And so I'm always, always happy to listen to anybody, myself personally, just anything I can do to help. And I'm sure people appreciate knowing that they have that other option too, Gray. Who are you trying to reach out to with your nonprofit now? I worked closely with a lot of downport police officers, as well as some local Scott County Sheriff personnel from administration to patrol, as well as different members of the Iowa State Patrol, also Clinton County Sheriff here in Iowa. It's just about working with others, including a medic EMS, which is our Scott County EMS service, and some different fire agencies in the Iowa, Illinois area. Sometimes it's about seeing my presentation, which I have slideshows for each line of work. Communications, dispatchers, correctional staff, police, fire, and the EMS. And I have reached out to some colleges. There are students I've spoken to for studying different fields that they prepare to go and what do you find the most rewarding part of connecting? We've built that relationship and trust rapport to where I know that they'll actually reach out to the resources available on the website, but also aren't afraid to contact myself if they ever need to just vent and talk. That's a blessing and honor to be trusted. Even on spur-of-the-moment conversations I might have had with persons in the past, it was always a feeling of great trust I was given to be part of that person's life, for even if it was just for a few minutes, maybe before or after work, to be able to share with them what is happening and then being able in some way to provide further support for them. Or sometimes it was just being there and listening. You know, we like to say holding that space. So the person could be able to speak. I always find it a great responsibility in the work that I do as a therapist, but especially so when speaking with the first responders, law enforcement and hospital staff. I have had family, still have family that are part of the various first responder world. I have had family and still have family in the medical world, especially in hospital work in the VA. I myself until recently was in the ER working along all of those peers of mine trying to do the best we could to keep people safe. It can be overwhelming. And sometimes persons who aren't part of those careers have a difficult time understanding, number one, a really dark sense of humor. You know, some of that stuff I grew up listening to because, again, family, we're a part of these worlds. So it was just, it was not anything unusual to me. And then, of course, working in it myself, it's a coping mechanism that you develop so that you can kind of tamp down the worst parts of the job sometimes. It's also the part about, again, when I say I don't flinch, of course, I'm concerned when someone expresses or talks about an event that was very devastating, but I'm not going to pull away. I'm not going to recoil because I understand what it's like to be in something that's very traumatic or something that is heightened emotion and you can't react emotionally. I call putting ourselves in our work mode brain where we, we are doing the job. It has to be done. 
Now, afterward, we may have to sort of debrief or decompress with coworkers or whatever, and we might feel emotional at that time, but we can't do it while we're in the middle of the job. So I'm glad to be there for those persons when they're trying to make sense of what happened. Also, a lot of times it's wrapped up in self-worth and self-esteem about, did I do the right things? Did I remember everything? Because it's a heavy responsibility for the work that we all have done and do in watching out for our fellow human beings. Sometimes these human beings don't want us in their lives, but we've been called to try to assist because other human beings care for them too. Right. To piggyback off your conversation though, Susan, I greatly appreciate public safety, but I do want to comment for everyone to hear though, how, yes, we did work side by side in the hospital setting and that was on the mental health side. And I can attest how important I am of you for the work you did with so many individuals. It's not a matter of how you did it as much as your demeanor and your understanding, your tone when you would work with individuals. You've got a talent and a skill that should never go unnoticed. You're a great asset for what you do. And then I also wanted to add about public safety. I mean, a lot of times I can tell you this may be something you're very familiar with, Susan. It's not uncommon. Let you be working in EMS or communications, corrections, police or fire. You know, we're so used to working with the mentally impaired or subjects that could also be labeled as psych patients. There's also a deep fear for any of us to ever be called a psych patient ourselves. You know what? I've come to terms and realization through going through counseling or taking the medication properly that I could be called a psych patient as well. And that's okay. And we, we all know as first responders that the, the number one key to any psych patient is for someone to stay on the regimen for any of their doctors or counselors. Let that be therapy or medication. And too often we see in the field, an individual will take their medication, start feeling better, and then they stop because it's working. And I'm not saying that us as first responders are going to do that, but it's also one more element that it builds into the fear, I believe, of say why we may be resistant to being given any sort of psych meds or anything of the nature, anything to help us even sleep or with depression, anxiety, PTSD, you know, anything you can do to help yourself, take advantage of any and all resources. And even if it means that you curve it before it gets worse or even before it becomes a diagnosis, I mean, that's even more proactive. And we all know as first responders that proactive work is better than reactive. Exactly. Is about de-escalation. Most of us want to de-escalate the situation before it gets out of hand. That's how I see persons who approach mental health in first responders, law enforcement, hospital staff. De-escalate the situation before it gets so overwhelming that it's almost as though you don't have a say in what happens next. Sure. I'd rather have those persons talk and say, I'm not sure I want to do medications. Why should I? Or why should I see a therapist? That means, you know, I'm crazy. A lot of this is just about preventative if we can do that. Some of the medications, like you said, it, it may be just to alleviate symptomology until we can figure out what's going on. And then if we can, correct what's going on. So then maybe you can get off the medications. I've talked about this multiple times in my Instagram reels and with clients and patients and family and friends. Just because you're on the medication now doesn't mean you have to stay on it. It's like getting an infection. You have to go on antibiotics for a short period of time. For some persons, it's about maybe you have to be on it a little bit longer, depending on what's going on. For some persons like myself, I'm diabetic and it's chronic. 
I'm going to be on diabetic medication for the rest of my life. And I'm cool with that because the medication works for me. But again, we're dealing with the stigma around mental health medication or psych meds. And I'd rather talk to persons and be perfectly blunt and honest about what they want to know. And thank you for your kind words, too, about my work with persons. But I'm also one of those, as most of my listeners will know, that I'm very blunt and to the point when I need to be, when I see that person is hurting terribly. And I know there are ways we can alleviate it. And I will put everything out on the table and say, we need to talk about this because I want you to know what your options are. And I think there might be some things that you may just consider trying. And just don't take my word for it. Go talk to persons who this is their area of expertise so that you are fully informed. I just want to make sure people feel great, again, about the jobs that they're doing, the people that they're helping, as well as being able to participate in your lives outside of work. That's very important to me with this group of people. You know, and part of it, too, is talking with these people. It's about letting them know that you may be having a rough time. This shouldn't brand you as someone who is out of control all the time. We all have difficult moments. We have things that life throws at us that we don't expect. And that's unfortunate because everyone that are in these areas of their careers are working at dangerous jobs a lot of the time and significant stress and you're responsible for other people's lives. And it's important that you get as much help and support as possible so you can do the very best job that I know all of these persons have this high bar set for them to do that job. And I'm privileged to have known so many persons who have come to talk to me and worked with them that they consider me a support. And I, and I appreciate, too, Gray, that you have decided to take your experiences and create this nonprofit and go out as a peer to say, I know what this is like. This is where I've been. I can tell you there are options. Please consider them. These are things you might not have heard about. Let me bring these to you. So well done, right. Gray. I think this was needed so badly in this area, especially in our area of the Quad Cities, Iowa, Illinois. Thank you. So we are getting down to the end of our podcast episode. Gray, this is the point where I usually ask my guest, what would you say to persons who are listening today for any kind of recommendations? I would always say if you're in any type of relationship, you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, a husband or wife, or even a family member that you're living with or close with, you know, keep open that line of communication. They love you just as you love them and they're there to help you. And furthermore, don't let the stigma of anything regarding mental health hold you back because at the end of the day, you really matter. And you've got so many people that, that don't necessarily count on you, but love you so much. And that's more important than anything else. I'm not going to say times can't get dark or gloomy, but just reach out for help. Even if it's a matter of contacting myself, any of the resources that Susan's going to post. But if you can do it, say for, for your loved ones beyond yourself, you will get through this and there is hope. PTSD or even anxiety or depression are not, you know, a death sentence. They are something that we can learn how to individually cope with. And we all have the better coping skills that work differently for each individual. But at the same time, as easy as it can be, do not let yourself stoop to the unhealthy coping skills, which is very important to discuss. Let it be being unfaithful to your loved ones or drugs or alcohol. As they're just simply a quick fix, they don't fix the problem. They just, they're a baby. They're unhealthy. They violate what we stand for as first responders. 
And also they're unhealthy in reference how a lot of them are essentially downers. Therefore, they're not going to help us feel better in the long term. And so I can thankfully tell you that I've been sober for almost three years now, and that's made a great improvement on mental health as well. Congratulations. That is a significant anniversary. Gray, I'm very happy to hear that your journey continues in sobriety. That's That can be difficult. And you're right. It is It is something that a lot of persons, no matter what career they're in, go to for mask what's going on for them so they don't have to deal with it. Certainly alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, food, a lot of different things to try to distract and deflect how we're truly feeling instead of possibly reaching out, talking to someone and figuring out what other options are available. If we can remove that stigma and we can get those suicide rates down to zero, I would be a happy woman to work myself out of a job. Me too. Great. Thank you so much to come and talk to me. And I will make sure to get all the information of your nonprofit out so our listeners can go ahead and access those and pass them on to other persons. Have a wonderful day, Gray, and I will talk with you soon. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope you all stay safe and have a blessed day yourself. And that, as they say, is that. I appreciate you sticking around and listening. Please be sure to subscribe in order to hear more juicy, swear-filled episodes. You can also find me on Instagram under Covelt Counseling or The Sweary Therapist. And as you all head out, don't forget, lean into your support networks, get to a mental health professional if you're feeling overwhelmed, and as always, be kind to yourselves.